Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets with myself, Jim Smallman, meeting a professional wrestler here on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, Today I'm chatting to Blackpool's own James Drake, a uh, part of the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament up in Blackpool uh, in January. Uh, Now someone who's appearing fairly regularly on Progress Shows, my company. So um, it, it was good to sort of sit down and have a chat with him. I did chat via Skype. So that obviously comes with all the occasional dropouts and all that gubbins that you normally get. People talking over each other because you can't see each other's faces. Stuff like that uh, that you always get with a Skype chat. But uh, hopefully you're cool with it as I continue to uh, be at home uh, helping look after my boy before I head to Orlando um, uh, fairly soon for various stuff, including progress shows. So let's get some plugs before we get to my chat with James Drake. Uh, plug number one, the Distraction Pieces Network as a whole. Listen to everything on it. Um, vote for various podcasts on it in the British Podcast Awards. I think we've all uh, tweeted various links to that. But obviously, uh, huge thanks to Scroobius Pip, who deserves an award of his own for putting me on his little network uh, and being part of this podcast so often as well. I know Pip's out in LA at the minute. Hope you're having a good time, mate. Look forward to chatting WrestleMania with you when we're both back in the United Kingdom uh, about a week, about a week or so after the festivities in Orlando. Um, Me. So I can plug stuff to do with me. JimSmallman.com. You can download my show My Girls for $5 from there. And you can see where I'm gigging. Uh, This week, quite quiet. Next week, ridiculous. Uh, Week after that, quite ridiculous. Then go to America. So um, you can see where I'm performing. If I'm coming to somewhere near you, come and see me. Say hi. Do the secret high five that means you listen to Tuesday Night Jaw. Just high five me. Don't even, never say why. Just hold a hand up. I'll high five you. I'll know why. We can exchange a knowing look. I enjoy those knowing looks. Um, and then there's Progress Wrestling. Progresswrestling.com. Demand-progress.com for all the Progress shows up until this point. We have a show in Manchester on Sunday. It's sold out. We have a show in London the following Sunday. It's our fifth anniversary. It's also sold out. We have a show the Friday before WrestleMania at noon Orlando time. Uh, in that there proper Orlando, we've announced all the talent that is being used uh, for that show over on our Twitter feed, which is this is underscore progress on Twitter. So yeah, I mean, check out who we're bringing across and come and see us if you're coming out to uh, WrestleMania. Come and see us in Orlando. Morethanmania.com for tickets for that. Apparently, we're the best-selling independent wrestling show uh, over WrestleMania weekend so far for a show that's at noon on a Friday. That is insane. So thank you loads for your support. If it's your first ever progress show because you're one of our American chums, then again, come and high-five me. I'm not that hard to find. I'm not particularly secretive. I don't tend to hide backstage. So yeah, just high-five me. I'm well up for that. Um... And uh, if you're British and you're coming and representing us, then just, you know, come and uh, be part of something that is ridiculously exciting. Um, Five years ago, I went to WrestleMania one week after our first ever Progress show. And now I'm going out to WrestleMania um, with us doing a show a couple of days before it. And, of course, Progress versus Evolve, uh, the WWN Super Show, uh, which is on the Saturday evening. So I'm going to be dead busy. Dead, 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 dead busy. I'll be ring announcing our show like normal. 
the Friday lunchtime show. Um, uh, and then I don't know what I'm doing for the, the super show. Probably just watching it and enjoying it and cheering on the progress, guys. Well, when I feel like cheering them on. Some of them I might not feel like it. Um, so yeah, that's all progress stuff. If you want to recommend this podcast or support this podcast, there's various ways you can do it. Um, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. That's really good. Tell people about it. That's ace. Uh, tweet about it using the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I'm at Jim Smallman on Twitter, by the way. Um, or point people at my website where we have a link to all the various ways you can download it, which is jimsmallman.com slash tnj. jimsmallman.com slash tnj. There will be merch soon. I'm kind of busy, but I have got merch. I do want to sell it. I'm just busy doing progress stuff and comedy stuff and family stuff, and it gets a little bit... uh, Everything gets a little bit on top of you from time to time. So I'm super grateful that James Drake today had the time to chat to me, but also we did it by Skype, so I could do it in uh, in my house. Because it's on Skype, You might occasionally hear baby Claudio waking up from his nap downstairs and having a cry. Also, not going to lie to you, I recorded it on my bed. So occasionally you hear the clank of springs. Because, you know, we've got a memory foam mattress, but, you know, the bed frame. Why am I telling you this when I could be getting to an interview? Let's do the interview instead, shall we? Shall we do that? So anyway, here's me chatting to James Drake. I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy our chat. He's a good dude. And uh, I'll speak to you in the end. See you in a bit. So, uh, hello, James Drake. Hello. Hello. How's it going, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know. I can't complain, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a nice day. What about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm all right. I mean, you, you, you legit live in Blackpool, right? Is this, is this correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, right, okay. So, there is, there is Blackpool, um, and there's a little posh pit just outside Blackpool Lytham. called Lytham St. Anne's. I've done a gig there, mate. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. When, so... When the WWE UK stuff was was happening, I got really excited about it being in the Empress Ballroom because when I was a kid, my dad was a shop fitter and he worked in, or he, he refitted all the piers in Blackpool and Blackpool Tower and the Tower Ballroom and then did some stuff for the Empress Ballroom. And and I remember it vividly because there's a mirror in my dad's house that he nicked from the Empress Ballroom, um, which... <laughs> Is still there. Um, I say nicked. I'm fairly sure they were chucking it out, but he's kept it. Um, is it nice? It's lovely. It's very, it's, it's very gaudy. It's it will be more at home in Liberace's house than my father's. Um, <laughs> but um, but no. So that's why I know Lytham because Lytham's at one end of the tram line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it, it is the posh bit because I did a. It's where um, it's where Roy Walker's son lives. Uh, Phil Walker is a stand-up comedian, um, like his dad. Uh, so I've done a gig. I did a gig there at a golf club ages ago, and it was very nice. And I was astonished at how posh it could be when it is just down the road from Blackpool. Um, no, no besmirching of Blackpool. Obviously, it's a lovely city. It's a lovely town. But um, um, but yeah. So I mean, I'm going to start with the WWE UK stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when you got the call to do that, there's obviously I presume there's two emotions. When you got the call to do it, um. Did you know it was going to be in Blackpool? So was it initial excitement, yay, WWE are interested in me, and then, oh my God, it's in Blackpool? Or, or did you find it all out in one go? So um, I think the first thing I remember was I had the sweatiest palms known to man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those. So um, I did, I had my tryouts at the beginning of November last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from my point of view, I wasn't expecting anything from them because I've listened to everyone else who's had previous tryouts and, you know, they've had to go, you know, numerous amount of times and, you know, see progression. 
So that's what I was kind of thinking of originally. Um, but while I was there, there was I generally think there was nothing else I could have done to um, showcase who you know who I am. Mm. Um, so I was, I was you know on that level I was already happy. Um, and I wasn't really expecting anything for a while, but then I got a I got a um, an email from Mr. Regal asking for my phone number. Um, and this was like I was getting ready for. This is when I actually had a day job. Oh. Um, and I was getting ready for work, and I just got this email saying, um, "Could you uh, give me your phone number?" You know, and that's when the sweaty palms came in uh, <laughs> because no one, you know, no one, you, you, you know, obviously when you're inside this uh, in the business or when you're inside wrestling, you kind of you get an idea what's coming up. Mm. So you know. You know, heart drops, sweaty palms, sending the number, and I just literally stare at my phone for a minute, <laughs> and then it rings, and I'm like, oh my god! So I run upstairs, um, and I obviously I get offered something, um, and it's one of them where when you're a wrestler, and I, I guarantee every wrestler's got this as a daydream daily, where you're in that position where you are getting offered something, sure, and it's that you know it's that go-to daydream. Um, and it actually was happening, and I remember being sat at the end of my bed in uh, my dressing gown, uh, <laughs> burning some fucking. Can I swear? Sorry. Yeah, of course you can, mate. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, burning some eggs downstairs, um, and then he's, he's offering me, you know, the WWE UK stuff, and it was just surreal. Like that's something for me. That's something that will always be with me forever. Now that mm. moment. Um, we didn't find out until we were in London the, the month after about it being in Blackpool. Sure. So it was quite it's quite funny how I actually travelled from Blackpool to London to find out we're going back to Blackpool. <laughs> had you had you ever wrestled in Blackpool before? I'm going to presume you probably have. Yeah. So uh, with I've kind of I've always kind of like tried to mimic a lot of people's careers mm. um, as. Be- as I can do um, with that being said obviously I know back uh, in the 80s um, when Regal was doing the circuit in Brown Blackpool there was a lot more sure. going on and there was a lot more venues um, and you had to I legitimately am... wrestle people <laughs> in a yeah, fairground <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so um, I've tried to you know to, my be- to the best of my ability pick up any opportunities that I can just so I can tick them off mm. Um, so yeah, I've I've wrestled at the actual. I've actually wrestled at the Pleasure Beach. Um, awesome. So that was one that I wanted to take off. Uh, it was a really weird one. I think I was about seventeen at the time. Uh, we did a, a, a just a standard wrestling match, and then obviously a battle royal after. And Magnus was in it randomly. Oh, yeah. um, but it was obviously Magnus at the time as well, so it was just a weird thing. Yeah. Um, I've done the Blackpool Tower numerous amount of times. It's just a bit of a shame that it never really draws. Um, that's quite a beautiful I've seen Ligero puts pictures up of everywhere that he wrestles and is that the one that's it's almost it's like a beautiful circular venue yeah it's a circus it's a circus um, I forgot what it's called now but yeah Um, and it's one of them where you you get there and you could have you doesn't like you could have the best match ever but all you're thinking about is if it was only packed yeah yeah I know what you mean because it's, I think the most I've had in that venue was about two hundred. Yeah. But there's no seating arrangement, and it's such a wide, a vast, you know, seating plan where people mm. just sparsely sit anywhere they want. Um, so with that in mind, imagine that being sold out. You know, a few thousand, it would be amazing. Yeah, sure. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, and I, apart from that, I've also done 
Uh, what was the other one I've done? So I've done Collagram, the holiday camp. Right. Uh, I've done, ooh, what's it, Leighton Institute. That's another one that Regal has done. Yeah. Um, and there's another one in Blackpool Town, Town Centre somewhere. And I can't remember what it is. Because I forgot. It's bother me. I forgot what a big place Blackpool is until I was up there for the, the WWE UK show. Because I spent a lot of my youth there. But I've not really been there since... I went to the NXT show there. Uh, a couple mm. of years ago, but I've not really been there for, since I was probably 13 or 14, so you're looking at over 20 years ago. And and it surprised me that it is... I, I was thinking, oh, it always felt like a big town to me when I was when I was a kid. I'm sure it's just because I was a kid. And you're like, oh, no, it is. It's it's massive, because as well as Blackpool itself, you've got you've got Lytham to one side of it, and it's Fleetwood the other way, isn't it? And the, on, on the yeah. Tram. So, you know, there's there's plenty of scope and obviously in the in the summer when it's when it's holiday season it's going to be a busy old place isn't it i mean i, I live i live in north wales so i'm near prestatin and real and places like that where a lot of a lot of british guys have wrestled um yeah yeah but it, it's you know it's nothing compared to how how vast blackpool is in terms of a holiday resort yeah so uh it's 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 weird when you get around to uh probably about mayish time hmm. onwards to about i'd say about nearly november it's just rammed. The front is rammed. Yeah. That's when all these little shops that have been shut for months have just opened up. Um, it really is. A, it's a unique place. I don't think there's anywhere like it in the UK. Yeah. Apart from uh, maybe Real's got a little bit to it, but there's not. There's nowhere near as much. Yeah, no way. Uh, yeah, um, and it's just um, it's it's full of character. Um, it's just a shame. Realistically wrestling doesn't draw well in Blackpool anymore and mm. that's um, obviously WWE was the exception um, and it's just basically because people go to Blackpool to for a holiday sure. you know they go they go to you know see these amusements and see all this uh, this this town that is you know full of character and they don't want to go there and see wrestling they don't want to go back inside if that makes sense yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean did you when you wrestled uh, for WWE during that weekend, did you did you have sort of friends and family there, or was it? Because I, I I look at it from a comedy point of view, like with the exception of my dad, who's seen me do stand up a lot, and my wife, who saw me do stand up a lot when we first got together. Like I tend to avoid inviting anyone who knows me to see me do stand up because it's my job. But yeah. uh, but I, you know, if I was doing. You know, if I was all of a sudden doing De Montfort Hall in Leicester, for example, then I'd want everybody there. So was it? Was it like that for you doing this? Were you were you sort of desperate to get as many sort of friends and family there as possible, or was it just head down, get on with the job? Um, so for me, it was. Uh, I got a few down. So um, I got my brother. My brother is a few years younger than me, and uh, originally when I started training, uh, he actually started training as well. Oh right. Uh, so he's a massive wrestling fan. Um, so he's you know he, he kind of lost interest doing it, it himself, but he still loves wrestling. Sure. And he follows it religiously. Um, so when I got the opportunity to give some free tickets out and stuff, where well, I was like, "Yes, my brother, there we go." Um, and then my, my dad, my dad came to see me as well. Uh, I don't really have that much of a. Uh, it's not a bad relationship with my dad, but I just don't really have a relationship with my dad. Sure. Um, so uh, it was nice, but I just wanted to, you know, he watched me at Blackpool Tower when I was seventeen in front of forty people. Yeah. So I wanted him to see in front of three thousand sold out. You know how it how it's changed and how I've changed. Um, and he he brought a few people with him, and my brother brought a few people with him. So, and I think a few of my friends actually just bought tickets. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's the good thing is about the British wrestling community as well is is you can immediately expect because of how, how tight knit it feels. Even though it was a WWE uh, UK show, the minute you walk out out of those, those three thousand people, at least a thousand of them are going to know who you are. You know, yeah. it's just, I think it's the same with you know. There's some people on it who like like Mark Andrews, for example, who you know because he's been on TNA and exposed to that. Probably nearly all of the three thousand people knew who he was. Um, and then there's there's people like Roy Johnson who, if you're a Progress fan, you'll know who he is, but not necessarily everybody else. Um, and but I think there's there's a definite minimum of the fans there who would have uh, who will have known who you were from seeing you. And like you say, I bet there's going to be someone there who's seen you wrestle in front of 30 or 40 people, not just your dad, um, uh, who are seeing you in that environment. And it's the difference it makes, you know, and, and the difference only a few years make from uh, from how your career's going to how it ends up, I suppose. is it, It's quite crazy, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it, 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 it baffles me. It really, you hear it all the time about how um, all you got to do is have that one opportunity. All you have to do is wait for that one call. Hmm. Um and I, I always, you know, listen to them, you know, listen to people say that. And I was, you know, took it on board, but really it never really happened. So just carry on. Sure. Um, but, you know, this time last year I was, you know, in not, 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 no disrespect to it, but I was doing the Hardy camps and hmm. really that was pretty much me just doing the Hardy camps, just getting better at my actual craft. Um, and I was, you know, frustrated. Um, creativity, I was frustrated. Um but then you fast forward a year later, and you know I've I've officially made a WWE debut. Hmm. Uh, you know I've 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 made these relationships with people inside the WWE. Um, you know we've announced this week that I'm heading to Orlando with you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know like this stuff. It's it's less. You know you, you're talking like a year, and all this is happening. It's just well, it's mental. Well, this is this is something I was saying to you when we were chatting online last night, setting this up. Was like five years ago. I one week after Progress's first ever show, I went to WrestleMania, and you know, quite rightly, nobody knew who I was. Um, and apart from Sebastian Radclaw, who I weirdly bumped into at WrestleCon, ah, oh, Sebastian, <laughs> um, um, who I ended up hanging out with, uh, uh, and, and I bumped into Colt Cabana, who did our first show, so I ended up hanging out with him a bit. But oh, that's cool. But like, no one knew who I was, and and it was, you know, and I. I it was just, we'd done a wrestling show and then we went out there, hooray, and I watched WrestleMania. It was awesome. Whereas five years later, we're doing a show on our own over WrestleMania weekend and then uh, Us versus Evolve. And and it's it's crazy. It's crazy, you know, just to think, like we didn't have a relationship with, with WWE or, or anything five years ago. We, we'd done one show and we never thought we'd do another one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to get to this point, it is... It's it's awesome. We'll do we'll chat more about WWE UK stuff in a bit because I know a lot of listeners are going to want to sort of um, hear about it. But I'm, I think because we've touched on it, I, I want to I want to know how you how you got into the business and 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 stuff like that. So I'm going to presume if you were if you were already wrestling when you were 17, you were how old were you when you you started training? Uh, I was 13 when I started training. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> See, yeah so um this, this I've, is... I've loved it it's one of them it's why i've loved it since i was a kid um yeah. my earliest memory to to date is what you so you hear everyone say like the earliest memory to date of wrestling is like hulk hogan andre Je- andre the giant or something yeah. like that and like this is when i make people feel old um my earliest memory to date was actually playing smackdown 2 
Uh, <laughs> I, I hate you. <laughs> My earliest memory was watching Johnny Saints on World of Sport, just to put into perspective the difference in our age. How, how, how old are you, mate, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I've just turned 24. Yeah, which is ridiculously young. Um, and although there does seem there's a good pool of of guys roughly your age, so you're, you're just turned 24, Pete Dunn's a similar age, Will Ospreay's a similar age. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people roughly of that age isn't there and it's and it's uh, what a great generation of wrestlers the, the the thing about you being 13 and this is something I, i'm i'm always astonished by anyone who's who's good at their job when they're um when they're 24 years old like you like i, I didn't start stand up till i was 27 i didn't get good at stand up until i was 30 i'm 38 now and you know it's been my job for a bit but i didn't know what i wanted to do when i was 20 let alone if you'd have said, I loved wrestling when I was 13, but there was no yeah. way was I dedicated enough to train and stick with it. You look at how many kids like take up a hobby and it lasts one week. Like the fact that you've, you took to wrestling when you were 13 and stuck at it is, I mean, you must've been so dedicated as a kid. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's weird for me to think about. Uh, so, um, you know, I've, I've got friends who, who you know just have the standard nine to five or whatever, mm. um, and you know when we were growing up, they just lived you know normal teenage lives. Um, but for me, it never really—it was like it didn't compute to me. Yeah, um, I was always fixated. I could obviously I'd go out and see my friends or whatever, but I'd always be fixated on wrestling. Yeah, like that was the the go home sort of thing for me. Um, as soon as I got into a training school, I remember I, I remember everything of that first session. I remember getting in the ring the first time and someone giving me a suplex and I was wincing. Mm. My te- eyes eyes were tearing up. I couldn't breathe, and I was just like, normally that's when people like start to go, oh maybe not yet or something. Sure, but that, I was like, yeah, this is what I want. Like yeah, just out of interest, uh, who did you train with? So this is this is a this is a, a strange one. It was back. When I was 13, it was back with a company in Preston called Peace, uh, not PCW, uh, 21CW. Um, right. And they only lasted for about a year. Um, but I, I made a few connections there to which I ended up going over to High Bentham for a year. Okay. Uh, and I trained just pretty much mat wrestling stuff. So I, you, you don't see it enough. Um, but if I ever get to actually wrestle, mm. uh, hold for hold stuff, and there's actually quite a few things that I know from that from that age because I was only about 14 at the time sure. 14 to 15 every week we just pretty much were on judo mats and learned how to actually grapple hmm. so um, at that age you, you know your mind's a sponge and I, some things I wouldn't even I don't even do now but when I'm in that position I do it and I go oh I remember this yeah uh, that's, it's strange that, as well because that's that's pretty much how old school training was done like you know when i when i interviewed johnny saint a lot of what he told me about was no i was just doing mat based stuff for for ages and it was it, almost almost shoot fighting sort of stuff rather than um rather than learning how to do leapfrogs i suppose do you know what i mean it, it's 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 yeah. a very different way of looking at things but gives you very different fundamentals i suppose i definitely think um if anyone's obviously if, if anyone's listening who is who's starting training or is thinking about starting training. This is um, obviously moves and stuff are cool, mm. uh, but uh, this stuff is the stuff that's helped me stand out a lot. Um, it helped me get my footwork down. Uh, I didn't think of it at the time, and it's not something I would have thought about until recent years. Um, but for me to get noticed last year was pretty much on how my footwork was. Sure. Um, and I didn't. I didn't get that from doing leapfrogs or whatever. It was pretty much hold for hold wrestling and how to balance myself and how to 
you know, move around in the ring with, you know, less less steps and everything's calculated. So this is the thing that um, footwork is a phrase, because obviously I am not a trained wrestler, but occasionally <laughs> I will go to the Projo or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look at uh, a video of a wrestler who wants to work for us because we get sent a lot of those. And, and, mm. and I'm not as comfortable talking about the te- technical side of it. I, I can tell you what I like and what I enjoy and whether... Um, I, I, I can empathise with someone or, or whatever, but footwork's a phrase that genuinely I didn't hear until we've been running progress for a couple of years, and I think it was probably Mr. Regal who I heard it from for the first time. So it's, it's like you were saying, if you're the way you explain it, then with it, trying to use the least steps possible. I suppose that is the easiest way to explain footwork, even just running the ropes and not taking an extra step. Or is it? Is it? Is there more to it than that? Yeah, like so. Um... Pretty much, if you were to hit the ropes and uh, a hip toss was coming your way, mm. but just before you you were to go for the hip toss, you took a two steps or you jumped into it and stuff. That's you're not thinking ahead. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah, I get you. Where if you can kind of, you, to be honest, a lot of it, like you were saying before, Johnny saying, like Johnny Saint's footwork is is immaculate. Yeah. Um, the way he moves is so fluent and so um, precise that you, you you're watching it and. It, I think footwork is a big thing in the sense that it it's not moves, it's the rhythm. Yeah. So if you if you're bad on your feet, if you're taking a roll and having to pop up straight away and you're having to grab the ropes or just that extra second of having to get up, it stops rhythm. Yeah. It okay. stops the pace and p- crowd the crowd won't go, "Oh, that's the rhythm, that's the pace." But it's like listening to a song and then when it's picking up, it's picking up, it's picking up and it just slows down a bit. Yeah, okay. and you kind of go. Uh, I was kind of getting into that, but now I'm not. And it, and it I, is. It, it's one of those things that the more there's loads of in wrestling that I've learnt more about just through being involved in it. And it, and it's and it's things like that 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 like you say WWE do notice and and you know more experienced wrestlers do tend to notice that sort of stuff. Um, but just thinking about you learning it, obviously it's quite a meticulous thing to learn, isn't it? And just making sure that there's no sort of wasted movement or anything like that. Uh, and it's probably for you now, I would imagine it's completely, you've got it down and you don't even think about it. It's just second nature because it's how you conduct yourself in the ring. But there must've been a point where it was literally all you thought about Like even walking around yeah. the shops. It's probably in No, it, yeah. I, uh, to be honest, a lot of this stuff, like the first thing to say about 10 matches, I used to hate how I, I how I began the match. So uh, if it was like a lock up or whatever, mm. you know, that everyone, I, I don't get it, but everyone kind of does his like half circle of like surfing around the ring before they go. Yeah. Um, like obviously everyone does it, but you, um, I just didn't like how I, how I was carrying myself. Mm. And I think a lot of the time it, it kind of fell into that position where I just don't like how I'm carrying myself. I don't look like I know what I'm doing. Sure. So I just kind of watched myself over and over again. Um, I'm, I'm one of them, like, I, I, I do get happy with some of the stuff I do. Um, like, I'm happy with how the outcome is, or I'm happy with how uh, the story I'm telling is told. Um, but, you know, I'm always there to critique myself. I think that's the right way to be, though. Like, I've, I've always been like that with stand-up. I, you know, recording, if I'm doing new stuff, recording myself and filming myself and whatever to, to get better at it. And I think it, it's... I can't imagine... Like I look at all the wrestlers of your generation who are, are doing great things. They're all people who 
the first thing they say to me backstage after a sh- after a match in a progress ring is, oh, "I could have done this better." When I'm telling them how good a match is, they're constantly <laughs> going, "Yeah, but I could have done." Yeah, I get that. You couldn't. You maybe you could, but most people didn't notice that you didn't do that as well as you think you could. the The important thing is the crowd are on their feet and they're enjoying it. And it, yeah, I think you've got to. I don't right. I don't think anyone sane chooses to be a wrestler, but you've got to be that level of OCD meticulous about what you want to do in order to yeah. to get better. And and you're the knowing you as I do, you're the sort of person who's still you're not sitting there going, well, WWE UK gave me this, and 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 uh, therefore everything's completely fine. I don't need to get any better. You're the sort of person who is still wanting to get better, aren't you? Yeah, I think you need to have that hunger. Um, I, obviously, I th- I, with wrestling, it's it's very subjective, um, and I think there is plenty of shows around the UK where there isn't that good of talent on them, if you will. Mm. Um, nothing against them, but I think a lot of people have. It's it's the thing where you get out what you put in. Sure. Um, and there is a lot of people that really just want to do it as a weekend thing, and you know, just want to do it as passing time. Mm. And that's great, but for me, if I'm watching it, they don't have to tell me that. I can watch them, and I know that they're just doing it as a weekend thing mm. by how they move and yeah. how there's no hunger, if that makes sense. It sounds cliche and cheesy, but there's no hunger. Like, every wrestler, like, don't get wrong, like, if, for example, Jimmy Havoc comes out at Progress, the crowd lose it, and, you know, they're up for him, they want to see him. Mm. There's one person in that in that whole building that wants to be there more than them. Yeah. And that's Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy wants to be there more than the actual crowd. Yeah. But th- a lot of wrestlers don't actually connect with that. They're just going to go, oh, I'm doing a job. But it's not, you've got to be wanting, you've got to at least show that emotion that you're wanting to be there. Yeah, and I think, do you know what? Uh, again, from my career, I can empathise with that because, you know, even if I've had to drive six hours to get to a gig and it doesn't pay me a ton of money, like, I still want to be a comedian, like, every day of my life. You know, yeah. it's still it's still my job above and beyond being a wrestling promoter, and I'm still 100 percent happy doing that. And I think the point that you ever start, and not saying that people phone it in, but the point that you don't look like you want to be there, and you don't you don't want whatever you're doing to be the absolute best you can do, then it is perhaps a point to go and think about doing something else, isn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I I always say to people as well, like. Uh, I like uh, if anyone follows me on uh, social media, I'm I'm big into my fitness yeah. as well, and like uh, it's only because I was a, I was a chunky kid, um, and I, I kind of got I kind of got bullied a bit with that. Um, like so but, many wrestlers as well, so many wrestlers of uh, you hear them either on this podcast or on other, other podcasts that I listen to, like Colt Cabanas and so on. The amount of times people say, "Oh, I was a big kid," and again, like Jack Gallagher is another example of someone who yeah was man. a was a big lad, and it's like. You look at what both he and you look like now. It's like, again, the dedication. Like, the dedication for me to lose half a stone is hard. <laughs> and I'm a grown adult who has two children and should be setting a good example. When you make that decision to lose weight and get fit and train and be dedicated to something, when you're a kid, it's, you know... I mean, Tyler Bates is always the most obvious example of this because he's only just turned 20. And most, yeah. people, and most people have known him since he was 16, 17 years old. But, but you know, like yourself and him and Pete, Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay and everyone who who is wanting to be a wrestler, they're all people who have dedicated themselves to something when they were younger. And in spite of... Did you ever sort of... I mean, because... 
did you sort of start training at 13 and then within a year you were in shape and everything was fine or was it just or, or was it no. a, a much longer process so it was a much longer process for me um i i started getting into so i started training when i was 13 started losing weight uh around about 14 sure uh wasn't i don't i didn't really know what i was doing because i've, I've kind of been brought i've been brought up in a, a in an environment where you know my dad and my mum aren't really into well they're not in fitness in the slightest hmm. um and likewise my fa- <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like um i'd never really had anything around me hmm. uh, especially my school uh it wasn't really apart from rugby if you didn't like rugby, that's it. There's no point. That's exactly so, the same school as the, the one I went to. I went to a school that produced a, like just a comprehensive school, but it produced a lot of rugby players for for England in particular. And, oh wow! And so Dean Richards went there, and um, uh, Graham Roundtree, and, uh, and when I was working there as a teacher, Manu Tulagi went there. And it's I I hate rugby. I properly hate it. I, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and it was. It was the closest thing I think a school system has had in this country to the jocks and nerds system in America. <laughs> oh no, for sure, yeah, definitely. I think I I think I can say the, the reason why probably me and you don't like it is because it was shoved down our throats Precisely. at that age. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, so, it was only until about sixteen I really got into a gym and I really had to learn things myself about nutrition and everything mm. uh would you believe that like you get you know school actually really doesn't teach you about nutrition how mental is that well, you know, well, right? it's this is the thing when i started when i started losing weight maybe three four years ago um what i i i'd sort of i talk to wrestlers and go i'm going to the gym um, I want to lose a bit of weight, but I don't want to be starving all the time. What should I eat? So I remember going to Chris Travis and asking him. I went to Tommy End and asked him because these are all people who I look at them and go, you guys are in good shape. You know what you're talking about. And it's amazing how many of you guys end up becoming like nutritionists because you have to, you also have to teach yourself, don't you? And have stuff that's passed down from other guys. Yeah, it's, it's mental, to be honest. I think it's something so important. But yeah, it doesn't really. It's so lightly based at school, mm. you know. Like that, that is that is a way to live. I don't say don't be saying you have to like eat what I eat every day, but to know the difference between having, you know, your five a day, which you could have fruit every every you know yeah. five times a day, but that's really fructose, it's sugar. Yeah. You're getting sugar in you, but you don't know that when you're when you're in school. Um, you have to find that yourself. Um, but yeah, it really, it really, it was about twenty one ish when I really started getting into some sort of shape. What's, uh, what? What? Yeah. I mean, what? Are you one of those people who, so through knowing a lot of wrestlers and being friends with you guys on Facebook and and stuff, I will occasionally learn about what you guys eat. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen someone like El Ligero ever eat an interesting meal ever. Um, <laughs> literally, just brown rice and chicken every time I see him out of a Tupperware pot. Um, and there's there's some guys I'll use Will Ospreay as this example who just eat whatever they want. Like I've seen Will eat pizza, burgers, and stuff backstage. Oh, and I hate him. I hate and him like, so much. I, I do as well. Um, I mean, what? I mean, how how interested is your diet? Like genuinely, is it? Is it? It can it can it can be interesting. You know what? It's one of them. It's like it, I have chicken and I have pretty much have chicken sweet potato or chicken rice twice a day, right? Yeah. But it's it's how much effort i want to put into cooking it yeah okay. so if i really if i'm like oh i can't be asked cooking this chicken it's going to taste dry and it's going to taste rubbery it's going to be horrible yeah. but if i want to put a bit of effort in you know what i'll put this light marinade on it and i'll leave it overnight and then when i eat it it's all right yeah so there's a man who thinks about it how often do you let yourself and i'm going to use uh, my, my favorite example of this ever is bubble gum 
yeah. obviously Bubblegum's in amazing shape. And I remember oh, yeah. him once putting a post on Facebook about his cheat day, which wasn't even a cheat day. It was a cheat four hours in the middle of the night where I think he ate like two McDonald's and two pizzas and then oh just God. had to go back to normal the next day. <laughs> I just remember reading it going, I can't eat that much food ever. In one night, I don't think I could eat that, you know. Um, um, but um, how often do you cheat, if you're honest? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I normally don't... I, I'd say, like, before I used to have, like, a set time, like, every 10 days or something, but now it's kind of becoming less and less because mm. I'm kind of in this, like, airplane mode where I'm just kind of go, go, go. Yeah. Um, well, like, um, but, like, the other week I had... What did I have the other week? Oh, that was it, yeah. So I did a show, um, and I just... Uh, I, so, right, okay, this, this is the backstory to it. Right, okay. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a downbeat one, but it's, it's, it's okay in the long run. Okay. Uh I wake up uh, one morning, about to do a show for Future Shock in Manchester. Uh, I find out my granddad's passed. Oh, no. um, it's it's okay, you know. It, it was I'm weird with that stuff. I always think, you know, he was happy and he was he was healthy to the end, and which you know, a, family members around him. Which is a a, a, a similar attitude I had to employ when my my mum passed away a few years ago. It's ex, it's exactly the right it's it's the right way to think about things. I think if something's a big shock, then it's it's different. But I think if if yeah, I think you've got the right sort of attitude. and You've got your head screwed on with that regard. Yeah, and I think because like, my brother's quite—I'll um, happily tell anyone stuff like about my personal life. But my brother's quite emotional with stuff like this, and he was quite close with my granddad. Sure. Um, so I was always sort of like again, you know, in uh, flight mode, if you will. Where I was kind of just like, right, look after Rob, look mm. after Rob. You know, make sure, like, literally drill it into his head that he was good till the end. You sure. know, and try and keep that into your head, and don't, you know, you know, selfishly we're going to miss him, but. It was, you know, a good send-off and everything. But back to where I was. Yeah. Find out about that. But then I, I if, the way I am, I, I can't... I'd, I'd be worse not going to wrestle. Yeah, you know, I know what you mean. If I, if I went, oh, I'm not going to wrestle today, I'd just sit at home yeah. thinking. So I was like, no, you know, I'm going to go. And I had a really good match with uh, Ashton Smith. Happy with that. Got home. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'll have a cheat meal now. <laughs> that is it. I, I, if it's one day, I deserve one. It is now. Um, and I had a Domino's. Nice. Uh, and it was like the first time in about uh, about twelve months I've had a Domino's. Uh, it was good. It was really good. I had like cookies, milk, everything. Um, <laughs> but then I had it, and I felt I was like, okay, I feel good. I feel you know fat. I feel good. And then I get the phone call about the the Norwich WWE UK stuff. <laughs> like straight after it, and I'm like, no, no. I'm like, so I'm there. I'm like. Looking, I'm literally looking at the end of my bed where I've got like a large pizza box, the cookie box, <laughs> the the garlic bread box, and I'm like, I'm looking at it going, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> it's like it's like they're 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 spying on you, mate. That can be the only this. It's, it's sod's law, isn't it? It, it is. really is sod's law. Like I have it, and literally I finished it, and I was about to stand up, and I get the phone call, and I go, oh right, okay, I answer, it and they go. Can you do these dates? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> just staring at these domino boxes going, oh my God, what have I done? I feel. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. You're quite, you're not a vegan or, um, or on a gluten-free diet either, based on the fact that you've just had a pizza. So no, no. That makes you um, quite unusual for uh, a younger wrestler in a locker room at the minute, because I tried working out how many guys who work for Progress, guys and girls who work for Progress are vegans the other day, and it's over 50% of our roster, I think, at the moment, which is... Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, amazing really dedica- it's amazing dedication, because, uh, and, you know, in some cases it's, it's for health reasons, and in some cases it's for ethical reasons, and, you know, I, I salute it either way. I'm not one of these people who... I tried being vegan for a week and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. So anyone who can do that and train and build muscle mass, it just, I take my heart off to them. It's, it's hard work. I think, yeah, you know what? I think for me, um, in an ideal world, you know, not eating animals would yeah. be great, but I don't want to spread myself thin. Yeah. You know, at the moment I, I want to kind of go all full force. I just want to get myself in the best shape. Mm. I want to just, you know, everything, I want to make everything I can selfishly for me a lot easier sure so uh for me to go vegan uh as as good as it would be you know because i do agree with you know don't eat animals and stuff yeah um i think selfishly it's it'll be too much of a strain i think you're right i mean it's it's you've got to get if you're if you're trying to get somewhere with a career you've got to you've got to find the right work it's a it's a work-life balance isn't it because you know, if you're if you're working really, really hard, you're training really hard, you're going to the gym and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it, you've got to do what's comfortable for you, and if it involves still eating meat, I think it's it's one of those things. It's it, I think I'm just astonished at how many because in my head, the way that wrestlers train is they go to the gym and then they come home and they drink two pints of milk. And then they ate a chicken. Like, that was yeah, just yeah. how they trained. And it was only through talking to people like Pete Dunne and Trent Seven and Tyler Bate and Travis Banks and um, and Zack Sabre Jr., who are all vegans, and going, oh, you guys all look amazing. And you're vegans as well. Good on you. Like, it, I, 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 I take my hat off to them, but hard work. Um, going back to when you were 17 and you made your debut. So you're... Um, can you remember you remember the details of your first your first ever match? Yeah, so actually it was, it was actually when I was uh, sixteen yeah. I made my debut, um, and it was for a company in Morecambe called XWA Wrestling. Um, uh, so I had a debut match later on. Sure, but the, my debut thing uh, we there was a the biggest villain, the biggest heel in the the company at the time was Spud. This is when he just turned into the rock star spot. Right, okay. Um, and this was the beginning stages of it. So this is when he had the big, you know, McFly hair. And he had the big, <laughs> you know, like... He was, oh, his it hair was, was cool. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how so ridiculous it, it, it was. The, uh, it wasn't the cool... Um, it wasn't the cool rock star spot that we see now. It was like the big, le- uh, big fur coat, mm. you know, leopard print jeans and all this stuff. I mean, it looked good, you know, um, especially for Morecambe because Morecambe's a seaside resort um, audience. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is stereotypically seaside resort audiences tend to be, to really do believe wrestling. Yeah. Um, so when they saw him and it was, you know, in the face that he was that, that was what they took him as and they hated him. Uh, but he was the, he was, uh, what was it called again? Um, I forgot, uh, this is called X. There was some sort of belt they had. Yeah. I forgot what it was called, like best in the Northwest Championship or something. Okay, um, which was like their mid card belt. 
and he just recently, uh, at the time he won the World Heavyweight Championship against um, a wrestler at the time called Sam Slam. Right. Um, and he was a big, hefty guy. Um, so it, it was like a good, you know, it was double the size of, you know, Jay Spud. Um, and it was um, one of them where we, me and this other guy called uh, Gil Axel uh, Rage, I debuted, he was round before me, but I got into wrestling through him. Sure. Um, we came out and did some sort of screw job finish and then this this fraction called Team Rockstar came to be. Yeah. Um, so I remember that very well. It was at the Morecambe Dome, which isn't there anymore. Uh, I was so scared. So, so, <laughs> so scared. Didn't do anything. Like We just literally run out and then the refs look at us and, the, and then I think Spud gives Sam a low blow or hits him with a belt or something. Hmm. But just to do that was just terrifying. I mean, and then my... So oh, go on, sorry. No, go on, go on. Carry, on. carry on. Oh, I was about to say, and then my, my actual debut match was a mixed uh, mixed tag match um, at the Morecambe, well, XWA Training Academy. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to, anyone out there that has any beef with me or heat or whatever and they want to torture me, you know, forget about the water, the Japanese water torture or <laughs> anything like that. Just forget about that. Just Just sit me in front of a TV and put my first match on. You, because I tell you now, that is that is that is torture. Do, what was so bad about? Because do you think most people hate their first matches? Because I, I want to oh. know what what was so bad about it. Um, it was everything was so rehearsed. Like now, like if uh, when it comes to me uh, arranging a match or whatever, I, use, I normally use my my fingers, like one of my hands. Yeah, and I'll I'll use maybe four fingers, and I won't really use a thumb. But like they will be the points that I'd plan big sure. points. Yeah. And they wouldn't be like a move, for example. It'd be a highlight. So mm. it'd be like, this is the point where I want to tell this story. This is the point where I want to tell this story. And, you know, and you, you, we add things into there. But at the time, it was so, uh, like, you know, like it was like the stabilizers on the bike. Sure. Um, I, there was no, there was no heat. I was a villain, but there was no heat. And I didn't know what to do. And, People, I was trying to get people to boo because I was like, you know, you don't know how to work. You know, uh, I was going out there and I was like, shut up when no one was saying anything and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, just to get a reaction. Yeah. Where now I can comfortably go out there. You know, for example, at Progress, um, I will go out there and I will not give anything to the crowd. Mm. I will not re- react to the crowd because I think a lot of the time, unless it's part of your character, I think sometimes it can come off cheap. Yeah. When you, you you know when you kind of just you say something and it's for the sake of saying it just to get a reaction. Well, I always think you're right. And in terms of face or, or or heel reactions, less is more. Like one thing that I genuinely don't like is baby faces clapping. Ah man, I, I hate it. Uh, I hate it. The, and, and we used to have it on our shows ages ago. Don't have it now. Like the the, the fans know to do it organically if they're going to do anything like that anyway. Yeah, um, but I, I think a great example of of this is when you came out for your debut in Manchester uh, for us against uh, Fabian Eichner, wasn't it? Um, mm. What was great about that match was Fabian does all the crazy stuff, does tons and tons of crazy stuff, but you managed to get people hating you, you know, in a, in a town that is moderately local to where you're from. You managed to get people hating you within about 10 seconds of getting in the ring without really doing anything. It's all, if you do it enough, you eventually you eventually get the character without having to without having to flip people off in the crowd or swear at people or spit at people or do whatever. You can just yeah. just a look on your face 
And William Regal's a great example of this. Just one disdainful look can be enough to make a load of people boo you. And I think this is something that you got straight away. And in that match, I remember thanking you, you and Fabian for the match afterwards in, for different reasons because he was a babyface and he was allowed to do all the moves in the world and all the crazy stuff. But you were the one who kept the match grounded and made it compelling. So I think that's the... It's not something you can be taught. I think you just you, it gradually goes into you with more and more experience, doesn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. I think now I've, I've done just over six hundred matches now, and uh, it really I think a lot of this, you know the Holly Camp stuff really got me comfortable with wrestling. Mm. So then I could really think about extra things, uh, you know, like the little things to really you know twist and turn, um, especially with like the crowd. Like you know, progress is a. Um, you know, if you will, a chant happy crowd. Yes. Um, you know, they they are there for a laugh. Hmm. They are there to, to have fun, to enjoy themselves. I mean, you wouldn't be there otherwise, would you? No. Um, so for me to go out there and hear these chants, but not acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, that is heat. You know, I am not going to turn around and give them a smug look because that's acknowledge it. I'm just not going to acknowledge it. This is something and I, when they hate me. I, I tell people this all the time is like, if the crowd start. It, there's certain times it's acceptable to acknowledge it. Uh, Zach, yeah, Zach, yeah. Zach Gibson acknowledging it, totally acceptable because it's a big. They are literally booing him out the building. It's but when different. you watch him, he builds it. He doesn't acknowledge he does. straight away, and, and he, then at one point he just loses it. And he knew, he knows exactly when to use silence and when not. And it it's little things that uh, a great tip I I think I remember giving Jimmy Havoc when he first turned heel was the traditional way. And you'll know this from being involved in wrestling. The traditional way that often heels will try and get heat if the crowd are booing them is to go louder than them or to go obvious. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. It, the, the the comedy equivalent would be someone heckles you in comedy and you just go, "Yeah, I fuck your mum." Do you know what I mean? It's just so obvious. <laughs> it's so, and it's not like I'd never do that because it's it's too obvious and it's it's too hack. And I think in in wrestling the the if you're doing a pro, if you're a heel doing a promo and everyone's booing you, the the temptation for you to rise to it and do all that is it's not going to necessarily control the situation. Whereas, if you and this is something I do as an MC in comedy a lot is if you slow down and go quieter, so everybody has to shut up and lean forwards and listen to you. That's a much more effective way of you looking both like both a heel and in control of the situation, which makes you more of a heel by default. So it's yeah, I mean that's the that's a similar thing to Jake the Snake. Mm. You listen to his you listen to his promos. He, I don't think he ever raised his voice to be honest. Nope. Um, it was very under his under his uh, voice. You know, everything we said was very malicious um, and was very calculating, cold. Especially for the time, you know, when Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior was busy doing all the snarling and mm. you know the big what you what you're going to do and everything. But then you look at the opposite with Jake. It's, it's, and then everyone was just compelled to it because it's different. It's it's the same now as with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's popularity comes down, to, I think, to watching a man do incredibly compelling promos. He knows when to raise his voice because um, he does raise it sometimes, but he doesn't need to raise his voice. And uh, I think as well, just your ring entrance when you come out to the ring, it's 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 head down intensity, which is like it, it doesn't always need to be coming out and and he and. There is a role for every type of heel in wrestling, but you don't always need to yeah. come out, flip people off, getting people's faces. The intensity that you have getting in the ring and waiting for your opponent, I think, conveys your character just as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, going to sort of character points. So, yeah. when you started wrestling at 16, were you still James Drake? 
no. What? I wish it was. I wish who, it was. Who, so, who were you at 16? Uh, so, there is a backstory to this as well. Uh, <laughs> I was I was J.D. Sassoon. <laughs> what? Hang on. I'm on a fucking minute. What? <laughs> Vidal, yeah. Vidal Sassoon's nephew? What? Pretty much. Like, so Greg Lambert, uh, who ran XWA at the time, uh, I don't even know who Vidal Sassoon was at the time. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, like, Greg said, we want you to debut. Your name's going to be JD Sassoon. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then I, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I, love, I love the idea of being, when you're a kid, though, you don't question this stuff. Like, no, not at all. Just, all just... I heard was I'm debuting. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so what was what was JD Sassoon's gimmick? Uh, you know what? I, I did. To be honest, at the time, I did mimic a lot of what Spud was doing, right? Because I was I was a kid. Yeah, of course. Um, and luckily, like he doesn't wrestle anymore. The guy called Axel Rage, um, um, or uh, his real name's Gil. Um, he was my tag partner at the time and he was, I think he was about eight years older than me. So he, when I was 16, he was 24. Sure. Um, and we definitely did, we, we did a tag team called the Blackpool Blondes. Mm. Um, and we, uh, we pretty much played it off as I was either like a spud or a, a spike feel character yeah. where I was loud, um, you know, loud mouth, blah, 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 get some cheap, it was cheap heat. But yeah. to be honest, at that age of, for the character I'm portraying, that's what I needed. Hmm. Um, I was the loud one, you know, Gil was the one who'd always did the cut-offs, and it was, you know, uh, he was, you know, the one to do the cut-off, I tag in, I come in, scrappy, 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 obviously the guy starts coming up on me, oh shit, I tag Gil back in, yeah. Gil gets him back down. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty much the format we always tend to use, hmm. uh, and we did that for about two to three years, and it was only when I was about, 18, 19, I say 18, 19, hmm. um, I just changed, I just grew up like 10 years, um, so there's photos when I'm 18, I literally look 17-ish, 18, you know, just a standard kid, yeah. and then there's photos literally on my 19th birthday, and I've pretty much got a beard, and <laughs> I, I, I don't have a fringe anymore, uh, I don't have the, I don't have the Sassoon hairstyle or what, what it was, um, and I, you know, I had a nose ring and all this stuff, and I was like, yeah, man, I need to change my name. Um, so I changed my name to James Drake, and I think that was when I started watching a lot of Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And I think that originated a lot of what I wanted, mm. originally, anyway. Um, you know, after years, it kind of, James Drake just kind of morphed into a lot, to be honest, a lot of it now is just music. Yeah. If you ask me now, like, who who do I base my character on? Mm. I'd say Deftones. Which you is know, or good choice. You know. Yeah. Uh, or I'd say like uh, you know the band the, the music I used to use a lot for my uh, entrance was Superhaven or uh, the UK band Basement you know very grungy bands yeah. um, you know because I, I think a lot of it for me I get a lot from music uh, if it wasn't for wrestling I'd definitely be doing something in music do you find you see I, I find creatively I work better if I'm listening to music just because oh, it yeah, just hel- helps me visualise and I've got I've got different playlists that I do for if I'm writing comedy, if I'm writing fiction, if I'm doing journalism, whatever. And is it a similar thing with you? I mean, 
I always imagine if I was a wrestler that I'd probably I'd think about things like hype videos for old WWE pay-per-views. So if I was planning out what I wanted to do with a character over the course of a year, I'd be I wouldn't be planning it to Creed. I'm not a monster. <laughs> um, but is that how you sort of think think about things and think like you know if there's a, a song or two that just pops into your head and you think oh this is you know this is made all of a sudden made me super creative to uh, to want to do stuff with my character. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ones, uh, I think I've had one in my head recently, mm. uh, it was this um, Kill Switch Engage song, what was it called now? Uh, anyway, it's, it's one of the one of the original songs, so it's mm. really heavy, um, and I've just got this image of like coming down to the ring, like, do as I do, you know, with hair soaking in front of my face, and just actually having this like kid in the crowd with his like grandma, yeah. and just his grandma like putting her like hand over her mouth in disgust. <laughs> That's literally that's just all replays in my head constantly. It's just like, oh my god, who's this? You know, I mean, like it's disgusting or something. You know, that, that sort of yeah. like is vile feel. Um, but at the same time, with what I'm doing, is I'm, I'm not actually doing anything over the top. Mm. I'm just me. My my demeanor is it is what it is. You know, like people just look at me and go, "You are not nice." <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the the first you mentioned the Blackpool Blondes as a as a tag team. And mm. the, the, I think the first time I became aware of you was uh, the three of us, me, John, and Glenn, were talking about we were talking about tag teams, and it was, okay. it was Glenn who mentioned you guys because he was more aware of you at the time. Um, I mean, up until when were you doing the Blackpool Blondes stuff? Because it's it's how long? Because it's it's it was going until fairly recently, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say probably. I think the last show we did was 2013. Hmm. It was very different to the end. It was very different to what it was at the beginning. Sure, uh, like I was bigger. I was bigger than Gil by the end, um, and uh, it was one of them. Like near the end, because um, you know, no disrespect to to Gil, but he was one of the guys who did it for the weekend. Sure, um, and that is one thing that there was a big switch around about eighteen. Like if you ever, if anyone was to watch back any of the Battle Blonde stuff. Um, I choreograph the entrance. Um, I design the jackets. Everything—it's all my creativity. Mm. And I just pretty much, you know, took money off Gil and went, "Okay, we're getting this stuff. Okay, yeah. we're doing this." And he just said, "Yeah." Um, and it got to the end where I was thinking, I was like, "Why am I doing this anymore?" Yeah, because I'd, I'd have to remember things like he, because he was so. You got to think. You got to remember when I was twenty-two. Oh, 21-ish, he yeah. was 29 going to 30. Yeah. Um, and he, I think he was losing a lot of interest in wrestling at the time. There's different so, priorities as well, isn't it? By, you yeah, know. yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he's, he's getting to that stage of his life where he's wanting to move on and he was with his missus and uh, I think they were, they were ready to have a kid. Um, so, you know, when it came to that time, near the end, when we were planning matches, I would plan his stuff because he would have no idea. Like, sure. he wouldn't even have any input and yeah. then in the matches, I'd remember all mine and then all of his. Mm. So when I got to tag out, I'd quickly say his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was only until near the end where I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to call this a day. Mm. Um, because he wasn't getting bookings, he was just getting bookings because through me. Um, and I just said to him, you know, like, you're in a different place than I am. You know, there's no, no hard feelings, it's just we need to change now. Was it a difficult conversation to have? Because someone, if you've been working with someone for that long, um, no, uh, I don't think it was near the end because it, it kind of got quite sour near the end mm. because I was getting frustrated and I think he knew that I was getting frustrated. Mm. 
um, because I had to remember him. I had to remind him to promote us. Yeah. So I used to do. This, I used to do the Twitter and the Facebook pages and stuff. And like equally, I promote on them, but then I also promote on my own personal pages. Sure. And then he'd never promote on anything. And then it'd be on the day of the shows and stuff. And I say like, yeah, I know it's not our job to promote shows as it's promoters' job to promote. However, it's going to help promote ourselves. So I was saying, like, you need to, you know, make sure that we're looking busy. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the thing, is you always got to be, have it with stand-up, you've got to be aware of your own brand all the time, haven't you? And it, and, and it, it is one of those things that you've got to both be on the same page, I suppose. Um, yeah, and just near the end it wasn't, you know, and uh, it was fine, you know, we still talk here and there, hmm. um, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I think straight after that it was pretty much, yeah, pretty much straight after the last match, I got onto Brian Dixon and you know got on their shows and really learned the craft there. See, I think I saw you guys wrestle as a tag team at HXC. I think yes, I did. that would that was our last show, and that was the first time I met you. I think because um, I'm I'm ninety percent certain because I was there um, with <laughs> with my usual set of Northern uh, wrestling friends, so it would have been Chris Brooker. And I'm, I'm certain Chris introduced us at some point at that show. Um, but that was my first time seeing you. Um, and then how you came to be in progress was, we were obviously aware of you, but just Chris, obviously Chris is one of my best friends. Obviously Chris has been mm. involved in, with Future Shot for ages and just kept telling me how good you were. And he was right, but, you know, <laughs> just, just you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 90% certain this qualifies him as your agent. Um, uh, I, he, you know what? I, the only reason why I met uh, William Regal was through Chris. Well, I remember, um, yeah, because I think I was there. I think it was when you, did you come backstage at the Frog and Bucket in Manchester? Yes. When yes. I was sat in the dressing room with him, taking the piss out of the fact that I'd not eaten very much. Um, yes, the sandwich. Mm. Yeah, because I remember you you popping in, because obviously I'd already met you at that point and, and uh, what have you. But um, it's it's really weird from my point of view being in that situation because I've known I've known Mr. Regal for a while and he's he's for all the piss taking he does, he's legitimately a mate. And most of the time I spend with him, we don't talk about wrestling. So mm. we talk about we talk about comedy and music and very rarely talk about wrestling. Um, but it was weird seeing guys like yourself come in and say hi to him and, and it's because to me he's, he's just my mate and I, I'm not as intimidated by him anymore because he's my mate um, but it, it's strange sort of seeing wrestlers meet him for the first time and how the, the in, well the inbuilt respect um, uh, among wrestlers is is obvious you know you're always you're always taught very early on at training to, to respect your elders and all that sort of stuff which I think is is a great thing to teach someone who's 13 when you started training it's brilliant oh, yeah, because people respect but I mean, for you, was it even more mind blowing knowing that you know you're a Blackpool lad and clearly you've paid attention to where he's been spending his career and stuff like that? Yeah. Was it was it even more mind blowing for you? My left leg was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I tried to keep a, I tried to keep a cool conversation. I was when I was listening to his you know the Q and A's near the end. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the stuff what resonated with me was he was talking about leaving. Uh, who was it when he, he left for All Star? Back when he was 18, he left somewhere. He was tagging with uh, Haystacks, I think. Yes, he, wait, he was He was tagging with Big Daddy against Giant Haystacks. Big Daddy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot who it was for. Was it? That would have been for uh, joint promotions, wouldn't it? Joint Sorry. promotions, that's it, yeah. yeah. I want to say big time promotions then. But yeah, joint promotions. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so um, 
you know, he left that because he was the actor was getting stale on his part and he wanted to learn more. Mm. So that really, I, that echoed to me. So when I met him the first time, I explained how I was working with uh, Brian Dixon and I was working with various different talents. Uh, it's one of them. Uh, it's a secret one where you you want to get out of the UK and you want to go to France, Germany, uh, Italy and work with different styles of wrestlers. Sure. Where if really you just get on with Brian Dixon because he brings these people over absolutely and then you and then you can stay in the uk and you can wrestle these people yeah and if you've got that mindset and you switched on to i am wrestling an italian today Mm. so i want to calculate this and i want to for example i wrestled a mexican last year yeah and he was so light with the wrestling part part yeah luchas luchas like that isn't it so yeah oh yeah but it was like to the point where when i was he had me in a wrist lock and he i knew that if i was going to do a head nip Mm. um i i'd i'd he'd fall over. Yeah. So, you know, when I was taking these points in and I was explaining to him how, like, um, you know, I've, I've had this opportunity to, you know, work with these various people. I'm just wondering if I'll get some, inf- uh, some more advice off yourself and what to do going forward. And I remember him telling me, you know, um, don't get on the same, don't work with people who want to do the same thing every day. Yeah. And when he said that, it echoed because, you know, I uh, won't, you know, name and shame, but there's a lot of people who, who do a lot of those shows who have a set match, mm. and I mean set match by step by step, yeah. and they can just literally add someone in it. So I can turn up and I can do this, I can do this style of this match, and I'm just an extra body, and it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the 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 person doing the match. It doesn't help the person jumping in. Mm. It's just wasted motion and wasted opportunity to to progress. Mm. And I really said that it really did echo to me and that's when I wanted to get out more and that's when I contacted yourself about you know hopefully one day you know how do I get you know on with you guys because sure. I, I watched the product and it was the creativity behind matches it was what I wanted you know that's lovely of you to say I mean it, it's it's. I always find it weird that that people are because to me it's it's still our daft little company <laughs> so you know when, whenever people come, approach us and go I'd really love to work for you I'm always like really? Oh, okay, cool. Because um, to me, it's just just three blokes who are uh, still have no idea what we're doing. But it's nice. It's <laughs> nice when it's nice when people want to work for us. Um, I'm going to ask you some very general uh, favourites sort of questions in a sec. Before I get to yeah, that, yeah. I just want to I just want to sort of close off talking about the WWE UK um, thing. So, I mean, what did you? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, away from any sort of. Uh, uh, just sort of financial renumeration or anything like that for it. I mean, what 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 did you really take away from the, the WWE UK couple of days? I mean, what was the the big sort of take home for you from that? Um, so obviously, as a as a as a as a kid, as a as, as part of my dream, I, I made my WWE debut. That was one of my things to tick off. Mm. But I, I I do really struggle to take a step back sometimes and think about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, like for example as soon as I finished my match I got back to the hotel and I watched it five times and I analysed everything hmm. and I wasn't even watching it going I have made a WWE debut I have made a WWE debut yeah. I was watching it going this this like as I normally would yeah um, the biggest thing I took away from that weekend is well there's two things um, one the style sure where you you're working, I'm not saying you're working towards a hard cam because that's a very basic format on mm. it. Um, that's just, you could do a stage show and you're working, you know, 
one way, you know, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's more how to get yourself and get others over with the product. So, for example, um, if I was to do like a big fancy move and the guy kicks out, mm. I'd give it 15 seconds. So the 15 seconds would be my facials, the guy's facials, mm. and then the five seconds of the relay, the replay. Yeah. But that's like, but when we were planning things, I'd go, right, I'll do this, bang, 15 seconds, highlight, 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 then we'll go on. Yeah. Yeah, and that was it. Was a very different format, and it made a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and it, you know, like you can't you can't knock that because when they're replaying it, Michael Cole and, and Nigel McGuinness are bigging you up. Yeah, it's it's thinking about that television nature of things that that genuinely I think blows. It's something we just talked about last last week on on um, on TNJ was. Uh, myself and Chris Brooker and Matt Richards, all of whom have got experience of being wrestling commentators, is yeah. is I can't understand why people boo Michael Cole, who is it's the That's hardest amazing. it's the hardest job. I mean, I'm a little bit biased now because he spent so long putting over progress, um, including I believe <laughs> falsely saying you trained with us. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you guys were around in 2007. No, uh, we weren't. Uh, and <laughs> just for the record, um, we've cleared it up now. You didn't train with us, um, but we had no idea where that came from. We were like, that wasn't because we got asked for some information about the people who do do work for us regularly. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, we didn't we didn't say that. Um, we weren't trying to take glory. Um, but yeah, it was um, it, just all the stuff that as a commentator you have to know. And the amount of stuff they have to put over for you guys, I suppose it's a new appreciation. Because on an indie show, commentary is kind of... I mean, I think... So Glenn and RJ and Matt and Callum or whoever do pro, uh, the progress commentary at each individual show, I think they genuinely put a lot of work into it. But it's not always oh, the yeah, case. Definitely. It's not always the case, is it? So, uh, But I think you're right. That work into television, and it's not just looking at a camera. It's it's making your facial expressions better. It's It's giving stuff time to breathe and it not just being move 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 which you can do when it's in front of a live audience because you're you're going for a very different reaction to going for a reaction from a television audience aren't you definitely yeah definitely um and i think one of the best things now is i've done that mm. so now when i've gone back to watch the weekly shows or weekly because i watch pretty much everything they produce sure um, and now i'm watching it from that eye yeah it's a really 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 interesting thing to watch now Mm. Um, like I can really not, I wouldn't say pick apart. I'd, 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 I'd analyze a lot. Yeah. So I'd analyze everything. So for example, um, uh, what was it again? It was Bobby Roode getting, um, no way Jose in the half Boston, uh, literally the week after he, mm. he beat Shinsuke. Um, and he was putting it in, but while he was going to point it in, Nigel just straight away bang on, you know, rolled it all off how we did this with uh shinsuke yeah and just little things like that which it, it just makes product it just makes a product so good mm. and it just it bleed it bleeds into each other uh, um, in such a way i mean where do you i mean where would you like your i mean it's obvious to say i want a headline wrestlemania but i mean is is that the dream or, or have you got is that the ultimate dream? But your other dream is just to be around WWE for a while. I mean, what? How do you? How do you sort of quantify it and think about it? So um, for me, like um, a lot of people want to go to Japan or whatever. Hmm. Um, it is really WWE for me. Yeah. Um, I have don't go wrong. I do watch some stuff. I watch some New Japan, um, 
but I I struggle to relate to it a lot because okay. it's not something it's not something I fell in love with. It's something I've come to appreciate mm. over the years, but I didn't fall in love with that as I did with WWE. Sure, okay. So that ultimately that is what I want to do, and that is really all I really want to do. Mm. Uh, in that sense, don't get me wrong. I, I, if if it was a, I'm interested to do different stuff and learn, but when it came when it comes down to it, I want to be able to tell a story. Yeah. I want to I want to be able to carry something. You know that. Can 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 be layered in such a way, mm. um, and like you know, obviously you know, headlining WrestleMania is everyone's goal. But really, it's just I'd want to just work for yeah. them, uh, you know, and or be around an environment where I'm wrestling. It's train. I'm training people at the moment in Preston, and I'm loving that because mm. I'm spewing this information at people. Uh, you know. I, and that's one thing I love about wrestling is that there is an intrinsic nature within it of of passing on the knowledge that everyone has. You know, people want to want to do that. You know, good people want to do that. Like you've learned this stuff from WWE, you want to pass it on to the next generation of wrestlers. You're not keeping it locked away and going, "Only I know this. You can't know it." And, which is yeah, I mean, it's just lovely. I mean, like if if, if for example, like you know, um, not two in your horn, but like. Progress's product is really, really good. You know, like you watch it. Like I, I watch, I've been so. Uh, this is my full time thing now. W, uh, wrestling is my full time thing now. Um, so uh, I have a lot of time to really watch a lot of wrestling. Sure. Um, I, I struggle to pick up wrestling as a, just a standalone match now. Mm. Um, I have been going through all the chapters uh, oh, cool. of yours, and I really just. It's not felt. Like I'm watching a match and I'm watching another match and watching a match and then I'm just watching a show and it's not dragging nothing. It just everything tells a story. Like I, I, I forgot. I'm bad at the chapter names. Yeah, uh, me too, mate. I'm, I can't remember them anymore. There's so uh, many. I watched. Of them. Uh, oh, was it? Was it the Chris? It was the surprise one last year. The unboxing. Oh, the unboxing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, whichever one was on. I always remember them by date. So December the thirtieth. Um, so that one. Yeah. Uh, and it was Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay. Mm. Uh, that's all, that that I thought it was amazing. I, I really genuinely thought that was amazing. It was just the story that was told in that match, you know. And like a lot of people say, you know, a lot of people say that Will Ospreay moves and moves and moves. That is a load a load of crap. It, it is. You he watch is. him, and he is honestly, he's another level. He's oh, the future for that boy is ridiculous. He's the, the thing I love about that match is is. One thing that's difficult as a British wrestling promoter is we do have a lot of wrestlers here, but in terms of wrestlers that the three of us genuinely think are good enough to be on our shows, there's not there's not lo- there's not hundreds. Do you know what I mean? There's there's, yeah. there's maybe there's maybe twenty five to thirty uh, guys and and uh, you know whatever number of girls who we genuinely believe are good enough to be on our shows. Obviously, you are one of them, and and it's. It means that sometimes you have to have the same match. Now, one thing that I, you know, when you see people complaining about about matches being redone in WWE, but if there's only a certain amount of people at the top of a card, where right, it's believable they'd be wrestling each other. And the the thing that I'm proudest of with with that match is we've done Will against Jimmy a lot, and it was to tell a different story, and we managed to tell it. Likewise, this Sunday it's the fourth time that Will will have wrestled Mark Andrews at our show in Manchester. But it's a completely different dynamic now because exactly. we've changed the dynamic, and it's and not not only it's a completely different dynamic. The people that are in the match, 
can can carry that dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, Mark's super super talented, and Will's super super talented, and it's just you know, it's all it's all very very exciting. Um, it, it's yeah, I think it, we always come try and come up with things from a different angle because, and I don't know if your experience has been that a lot of the certainly when you started out, a lot of the promotions you work for will either have been promotions that were around for a long time um, or promotions that are often run by people who either were wrestlers, want to be wrestlers, referees, whatever. Whereas the three of us, we've never been wrestlers, never want to be wrestlers. I really am very reluctant to be considered a character. Um, but we come at, I think we come at it from a different angle. So we come at it... And it's the way you have to look at WWE and the defence I always have with WWE on, on this show is when people go, oh, I don't like that. Well, yeah, but you don't have to write nine hours of television a week. <laughs> you know, it's that yeah. level of creativity that you've got to put in is... Like, wrestling's all I think about. And I've got a, another career <laughs> that I'm meant to think about. Um, but wrestling is all I think about. Thinking about little reactions and little tweaks I can I can tell people. I'm never going to tell someone how to wrestle and you'll you'll be able to testify with this. I if if I'm backstage with you I can I can tell you what I want to get out of a match but I'm not going to tell you how to deliver it because I'm not a wrestler. Um but yeah it's all I ever think about and I presume it's that's things only magnified even more when you're a wrestler. Yeah yeah so you know what a lot of it is um it's at night sometimes, like you end up getting a hook, if you will. Uh, mm. So you end up getting this one little thing that you're thinking of, and you're going, "Oh man, that would be amazing," you know. <laughs> and you just think that one thing, and then the next thing, you, you're in bed for two hours, just wide awake, just thinking about like, how that's going to be, how this is going to be, and then you go, "What am I doing? I need to switch off." Well, it's the adrenaline. Isn't it? I mean, how do you deal with? Do you deal with nerves? Okay, because I mean, you mentioned when you first started. Obviously, how terrified. And only imagining. How, I mean, I was terrified. I had to do a presentation at school when I was sixteen. So I'm into, you know, being. I'd be more terrified for that, you know. We well, see now. I see people always say to me, "Oh, oh I bet you're dead." I, I'm not confident at all. Like, I'm I'm all right around comedians and around wrestlers because they're now the worlds that I live in. Mm. But if you see me, and I'm I'm okay with progress fans, but if you come and see me do a regular stand-up gig. And a punter at a stand-up gig comes and wants to talk to me about it afterwards. I can't make eye contact. I'm super nervous. And, <laughs> and genuinely, I got into comedy because I couldn't do presentations. That was my, my old work paid for me to do it. So it's, it, I I get nerves. But do you still, is now wrestling just second nature and you don't get nervous? Or is there a little bit of nerves? Or, or how does um, it work? So uh, I, I, the best thing for me to describe now is I, I'll go back to my tryout. Hmm. Um we were bumped up a few matches to go in and just do our training uh, tryout match. Hmm. Uh, but when the uh, when um, Mr. Regal said, you know, James, can you go in now? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. Like, I'm fine with that because as soon yeah. as it's like ding, ding, wrestling, yeah. I'm fine. Sure. But it's when you're in a suit and then you've got to say hello to this person. And then, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like this is real life stuff. Like, oh, no, this is adult stuff. And, like, this is actually professional stuff. And, like, that stuff really... I'm still getting used to that. I'll be honest. Um, just putting me in a suit makes me nervous. Like, oh yeah, because I had to wear a suit to to be around the WWE UK stuff. Because obviously we we sort of pop backstage and little things like that. But like uh, me in a suit is just no. It instantly makes me. We had a booking meeting the other day, me, John, and Glenn, where we we booked a, a, a meeting room in a, a bespoke meeting room place in Milton Keynes because it was the the one place all three of us could get to from our various duties. And 
and I walked into it with Glenn and I was like, I feel like I've got a real job again. My, my, I'm so nervous. And it's just me sitting in a room with my two mates talking about wrestling. But there's something about real life that terrifies me, whereas I like living in a cartoon. It's quite fun. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't want to be... Real life doesn't, doesn't fit with me at the moment. So, uh... Well, luckily, I mean, like, fingers crossed you, you don't have to return to it for, uh, well, for hopefully forever. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you to sort of round things off. I'm going to ask you some just basic favourites... Um, little things that pop into my head. Um, try and come up with your first answer. I don't mind if you bring up more than one or one answer for various things. If you've, uh, if you, you can't, uh, you can't determine a winner. So, your favourite match of all time that you were in? Oh God, that's a hard one. I know it's a hard uh, one to start with, mate. I know it's difficult. Oh, um, there are, you know what? There has been a few. Um, there's been a few. Um, Camp shows, you know, Butlin shows mm. that they were really, really good. I mean, I did one with Zach Gibson, I think, two years ago sure. in Minehead, and I remember the crowd just being insane. Like, there was a point where we were going to do a sleeper spot mm. um, in the heat, and then we just thought, no, there was no point. They were up, and they were right. They were on fire. Um, I remember that being really good. Um, like, there is some other matches that, you know, technically I'm really proud with, you know, with how things move and everything. Mm. But ma- majority of the time, I'm I'm more happy with reactions. Yeah. And how people, like, I could have a match with someone who's not very good, but if the crowd are, like, if they're really, like, so, if, so for example, if they're really, really hating him and they believe they don't like him and then when I win or whatever, mm. they, they, they come off the feet, they're unglued, then I, I just instantly love it because it's like, that's what I want to do, you know, like... Um, but that was one, like, uh, one was at Gibson then, uh, I had another one last year with, uh, Jack Gallagher. Um, I enjoyed that. It was, it was one that we didn't do too much because we were, at the time we were planning on doing a, a little, um, storyline, uh, in Future Shock, yes. but you know, that's when he decided to go to America. <laughs> what a selfish prick. I know, right? <laughs> Can you believe that? Um, <laughs> another one for me I like uh, is is a, uh, a, a sort of a cop out but it, it isn't in the sense that I, I can I can say some stuff now which is really really satisfying hmm. um, it's the, the Fabian match from you know last year uh, with you guys and that's basically because in a in a environment full of smart fans if you will hmm. um, where a lot of people kind of expect and a lot of wrestlers kind of expect think that they have to do a lot of moves yeah. to get over yeah um i didn't do any really i did about three things and it was um, it was genuinely the thing that i uh, mentioned on this podcast and i told you pretty much straight away backstage it was genuinely one of the things that impressed us was you you knew that that was what fabian was going to do there was no reasons for you 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 knew what your role was in the match and what your character was and and like i say you instantly made people dislike you which is potentially hard when you know you wrestle in the northwest a lot. So it was, um, yeah. It, for, from our point of view, we were delighted with it, and one of the reasons that uh, obviously we were using you going forwards is is based purely on that reaction and that match. And I think um, another thing that was really satisfying was uh, recently, obviously after the Orlando thing's been announced, mm-hmm. um, I got a few tweets about you know people just kind of like going who's this you know and they've gone to watch me back or something yeah um and there was a guy he's he, the, a guy uh, berated my twitter uh yeah. you know saying i don't really i don't really like uh, james drake he doesn't do anything or i don't really like him he's just just he, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't react to, you know he, what does he say he doesn't pander to the crowd as much as i want him to and stuff like that yeah and it was this guy um stereotypically i, I 
popped on his Twitter, and it is a stereotypical smart fan, if you will. Mm. But I have just worked him. He doesn't like. <laughs> he doesn't like me. You know, he doesn't like me because I'm not doing what he wants me to do. I, I love this. I, I love when when we get occasionally like Sebastian's a great example of this. People going, "Why do you book? Why do you book Sebastian? I hate him." Yeah, there you go. Where you go? Yeah. <laughs> exactly you know the point I mean? you properly um, hate him that's the point um uh, but yeah um what's uh what's your favorite match of all time that you weren't involved in so any match that pops into your head that you you think i adore that match oh okay um i'd say th- i'm gonna say three okay go, go for it mate. um so there is Shawn michaels kurt angle wrestlemania mm-hmm. 21 yep uh, that's just uh, that was the first WrestleMania. So there you go. This is, this will probably make uh, people feel old. That was the first WrestleMania I watched live. Yeah, it was. Uh, bear in mind, just to put this into perspective, mine was six. Um, so <laughs> I hate you. Uh, <laughs> mine was um, mine was six, and I was already eleven. <laughs> I think it's so. <laughs> God, I hate you. Um, I was I was eleven. I was eleven. No, I was twenty. I, so, um, but. Uh, so that was one of them. Uh-huh. Another one is the year before WrestleMania 20, and that's the Triple Threat main event. So that's Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit. Yep. Which with uh, I watched. I watched the other night actually. Um, I've been having, it's great, I've been, isn't it? I've been having a. a, a I mentioned last week. I've been. Um, I've been rereading uh, the video guidebooks by Arnold Furious and James Dixon um, on my Kindle, and it's just made me go back and watch lots of sort of a, between 2000 and 2004 matches. Like last night I watched, I'd never seen it. I'd seen highlights of it, but I, for some reason I didn't watch it at the time was the JBL Eddie Guerrero ridiculous blading blood, oh, mate. blood everywhere. It's match. good, isn't it? I watched it whilst eating my dinner, which is a decision I regretted <laughs> slightly. Were you in state? <laughs> um, no, no, mate, I wasn't. Um, nah. uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, I watched that and just went, oh, cause I, I'd forgotten how much I love Eddie Guerrero, so I was just going back and revisiting a lot of stuff like that. That is a good match. That is a really good match. They, they actually have a few. They have a few around that time. Mm. Uh, I think is that the one where JBL's already the champion? No, it's the one where uh, Eddie wins. Eddie retains but loses by disqualification. Uh, okay, and then the next one, yeah. So they, I think they have three matches in total around that time. Yeah, yeah that one, the one where JBL takes it, and then the one where he fights back. But all three of them. Um, are very very good mm. um, the pacing's really good and just a size difference to be honest you look at JBL and Eddie Guerrero and you don't think like, JBL's big mm. well he's big but you don't think he's that big but when you see them together yeah. you go fucking hell he's, he's big what you was, know what was your third one because you said you got three yeah yeah sorry um, so I'd say the third one would be uh, Bret Hart Shawn Michaels uh, Wrestlemania Ooh, which one's that is that 11 12 12 12, 12. Um, and I just remember little bits of that where they were wrestling, you know, you're talking, it was like 55 minutes in, mm. um, and Bret Hart's not even gone for the sharpshooter yet. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels jumps off the top rope, and Bret Hart takes his legs, and just puts his, like, takes his legs, you know, obviously gets him on the deck, yeah. and puts his right leg over. Yeah. Doesn't actually, he doesn't actually put it on, he puts his right leg over, and the front row just stand up on the feet. Yeah. It's just that moment there, it's just, that is like, you're over. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they just know what's next. It was just mental. Um, your favourite wrestlers of all time, in terms of whether they've had an influence on you or just people that you've just watched and gone, they are the best. Yeah, yeah. So there was actually quite a few different, um, different eras, eras of my of my uh, mm. life. So the, the two wrestlers that got me into wrestling and really got me hooked were Edge and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, big rock star guys. 
just looking cool. Um, yeah, and then obviously I'd say through the years, like watching, uh, especially Edge back, a lot of his storytelling was really good. Um, but then obviously now I'm watching things back and, uh, you know, people like Dean Malenko, mm. um, so Dean Malenko and Eddie, you know, uh, doing some stuff in ECW, which is insane. Uh, watching that back and the, uh, that's another guy to watch if any wrestling um, trainees out there or wrestlers just Dean Malenko's footwork is just insane mm. um, so that's that's another one um, and I, I'd say now now I appreciate it more than ever is you know Dave Taylor Regal sure you know you watch them and they're nasty you know mm. I, if you're wanting to you know I think personally if you're wanting to be a t- uh, be something of a TV product mm. and you want to, you want to get that viciousness over, watch them because they are vicious, especially from 2007 when they were tagging. Yeah. Like, especially against Kendrick and London because they were doing all the, the flips and the, the fancy stuff. But then you had those two being the base, but also being nasty. See, I think little things that, that you can really pick up from, from really good heel characters, little things like, you know, when you pin someone, properly putting your forearm in their face, do you know, like that oh, kind yeah. of just Nasty getting that stuff. nastiness over. And it's not stuff that genuinely has to hurt. It's not, that's not, you know, because anyone who knows William Regal or Dave Taylor will tell you that they're actually nice people. But, <laughs> yeah. but you, you have to get that, you're meant to be vicious. You're meant to be frightening if you're a bad guy. So you've got I, to get I think across. a lot of the time... Um, you know when someone picks someone up from the ground? Mm. If someone picks someone up from the ground and they pick them up gingerly, mm. like, that happened a lot around the Attitude Era. Um, it, for me, when I was a kid as well, it broke the illusion. Yeah. Where, like, just stalk them, wait mm. for them to get up on their feet, and then just grab, like, the trap. Yeah. So you're not grabbing the back of the neck hard, you're grabbing the trap, but you're making that slapping sound. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that, oh, you're nasty. You know what I mean? <laughs> just those little things that just... It, it echoes, really. Um... In terms of wrestlers, um, I mean, if you had, a, have you got a wish list of of people you'd like to wrestle that you haven't wrestled yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, like obviously, there was the, the dream ones. Like the dream one, obviously, would be I'd like to do something. I'm not sure it ever happened, but obviously, I'd like to do something with Jericho. Hmm. Um, even if he was just, I, I met him last year, but even if he just like was agenting my agenting my match, yeah. I'd love something like that and just be under the, be under his tree. Sure. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of people in the UK that I'd love to wrestle. To be honest, um, I think a few people such as um, Will mm-hmm. Will Osprey. You know, uh, watching him and just seeing how we can layer things, and especially when he's a villain, mm. like you're watching him. And yeah, you know what? He still does flips because that's him. You know mm. what I mean? He doesn't change who he is, but his demeanor behind everything is just you. You don't like him. You no. know what I mean? No, I get you. I totally get you. Um, and then you know Jimmy. Jimmy's another one. You know, I think it's 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 to be said that you know he's someone out there, especially when you look at Will, who can do all this stuff. Mm. You know, I think it's said it's, it's to be said that you know Jimmy can't do that. I can't do that. But you know, Jimmy can't do that. But mm. that doesn't mean that he can he can't leather you. No. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it, I th- I generally think he is like the Austin. Yeah. Um. So there's those two. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Tyler Bate. Uh, love to get stuck in with him. Um, there's a few others. I think Chris Ridgway is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've wanted to do that for a while. Um, I do. I've had. Well, I wouldn't say this is a dream opponent because no, I've, I've had. I've wrestled him a lot, but it's been like like on camp shows and stuff. Mm. But uh, Sam Gradwell from Blackpool as well. Like, it was a good lad, got, isn't he? He's a good lad. Yeah, oh yeah. We've we've got we've got stuff down to a point where 
we we turned up to a show like a last minute show booking a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were on in like twenty minutes, and we were just like lacing boots, just saying, "Yeah, we'll do this bit, do that bit. All right, we'll do this." Hmm. We went out there and we did twenty five minutes. Nice. And it was just it was just easy. Like no, I'm not saying like it was an easy night, but it was just. I didn't have to overcompensate and he didn't have to overcompensate. Mm. I was there when he was there, you know, vice versa. And it was just, everything worked well. Awesome. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude, Sam. I was happy to see him in the, um, uh, in the WWE UK stuff as well. I've met him a couple of times and he's, he's just a nice fellow and he's coming at it because he's not, he's not one that people would necessarily know from doing all the indie promotions. But he, yeah, is some, but he is someone who's been working really hard at it for a long time and, you know, good on him. So, you know, uh, fingers crossed, not just for him, for everyone who's involved in the WWE UK stuff. It's, um, you know, it's all, it's all, oh, very, um, it's all positive, isn't it? Just, just another, just another one to add in there. Mm. Uh, Jordan Devlin uh, and Tucker as well, to be honest, both of them, mm. uh, because I, I watched them and, you, the, you know, both of them can do some insane stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just think sometimes it's like because they don't get enough exposure in Ireland. Mm. I just want to get in there and just wrestle, I, you know, I, and just see what they can actually do. I the Travis Banks Jordan Devlin match from our last London show is oh man, unbelievably good. Um, I remember watching. I watched it back then. There was one thing I tried to do. It was hard to do, but I tried to watch the majority of the show mm. backstage. Um, I think the main event I couldn't. But uh, yeah, the, the majority of the show, I I, I was backstage watching, mm. and that was just it was it was it was fantastic because it, it was it was great for two reasons. One, the, the the reaction that Travis Banks got for someone who you know has been around our company for a bit was was very interesting. But also the the way that the, the fans really wanted to boo Jordan Devlin and then yet still chanted, "Please come back at him." It's like, yeah, we, we want to boo you, but my God, you're quite good at this. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is yeah, which and is, it's a good. I think it's a good thing. I mean, like because especially with that crowd, so that crowd get it. They know what they know what the the gig is, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so you can't treat them. You can't be ignorant and treat them like they don't know what's Absolutely. going on. But then at the same time, they know when you're putting a shift in. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? And they know that Jordan put a shift in. Yeah, absolutely. Now I've got to ask you one last question because it's been bothering me since pretty much the start of the our chat. And that is, when you got your phone call from WWE, you were wearing your dressing gown. What sort of mm-hmm. dress? What sort of dressing gown does James Drake go with? I'm presuming. Uh, it, I'm presuming you don't go with a kimono. But what are you going it, with? It is a Darth Sidious dressing gown. Amazing. Good so it's, it's, it's massive. You know what? It's so impractical. It's so comfy, but it's so impractical. It's got these big droopy things around your arms. So you can't cook. You can't eat because it just droops into your food. And then the, the hood on it just goes literally over your face. So you can't even see, but, you know, the, the, I still uh, like it. It's genuinely bothering me. Um, how can people find you on the internet? Oh, sorry, what was that? Uh, how can people find you on the internet? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty much, I've got rid of my Facebook page uh, just because I didn't really keep up to date with it. And mm. it's sort of a closed thing to kind of advertise. Yeah. Whereas all it takes is Twitter. Twitter and Instagram's a lot more um, feasible, you know, and a lot sure. more interactive. So, um, both Twitter and Instagram are James underscore underscore Drake because some guy took underscore Drake and he is getting found and taken out. Um, 
Marvellous. Well, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday in Manchester because you're obviously wrestling for us at the weekend at the Ritz. So uh, I will see you then. But in the meantime, um, all the best with everything in the future, mate. And thank you very much for chatting to me. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. So that was my chat with the excellent James Drake. You can see him in Manchester this coming Sunday, taking on Jack Sexsmith at the Progress Show, which is already sold out. There might be some returns available. Uh, Progresswrestling.com for more information about Progress. As always, uh, big thanks to James for having a chat with me. Uh, got a big future ahead of him, um, and he's a, he's a nice dude, so I wish him all the best. He's a, he's a good egg. Um, once again, if you want to support this podcast, tell people about it jimsmormon.com slash tnj just keep giving it five star ratings even if you don't like it i mean if you don't like it i have no idea why you've got to this point in the podcast but cheers for downloading it anyway i suppose but yeah do rate and review it recommend it to people tell people about it i've got some pretty cool interviews lined up for the next couple of months so i'm hoping that there's some exciting stuff for you to listen to as well as of course a wrestlemania preview show that i will have to do and a WrestleMania roundtable discussion that I will have to do once I'm back in the United Kingdom. So that'll be at least a week after WrestleMania because I'll be out in the States for quite some time. So thanks for listening. As always, uh, I'll be back next week with more wrestling-related nonsense. Uh, you guys are great. Just keep being great. Go and look in the mirror and have a smile. You deserve that smile. See you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.